I'm Allison Weisbrot. I'm the editor of Campaign US, and I'm here with Steve Cody, the founder and CEO of Peppercom, a strategic communications agency. Steve recently wrote a book about humor in the workplace, Laughing Through the Madness. Coming in 2023 from HarperCollins. We're going to talk a little bit about some of his insights about how to use humor as a leadership and workplace strategy. Steve, thank you for being here. My pleasure, Allison. It's, um, it's great to be had. <laughs> so first, tell me a little bit about like what the book is about, why you decided to write this. Yes. Well, as you know, the world changed dramatically in March of 2020. And while we at Peppercom have been um, having our employees trained in stand-up and improvisational comedy and also offering it to clients, it, it went from a nice-to-have to a must-have in terms of anxiety, um, depression, isolation, the great resignation, quiet quitting, all the seismic changes. So um, more and more organizations have awakened to the power uh, of, of laughter, um, not only to, uh, to just help people with their emotional and mental challenges and workplace, work-life balances, but also to help them um, better collaborate, break down silos, bring together people from red state, blue state, generational divide, blue collar, white collar divide. So we're helping clients address myriad issues by using stand-up and, and improvisational humor to think and open their minds in new and different ways. And it all comes down to storytelling and authenticity and transparency. And from a leadership standpoint, it's incredibly powerful for those leaders who understand the importance of self-deprecating humor, authenticity, empathy, and vulnerability. So it's very much of the moment. So HarperCollins uh, came to me, as did another major publisher, and said, we really think this is of the moment and only going to be more important to businesses, especially since the Gen Zers in particular are drawn to a workplace where they feel they have a safe place and they can bring their full selves, not wild about that expression, but bring their full selves <laughs> to to work. So when comedy and humor are considered acceptable, and we can talk about what that means, yeah. uh, it, it provides a whole new freedom and openness to an organization that didn't really didn't exist prior to March of 2020. So talk about like, obviously, humor is a big is a big term, right? And it could be applied in a lot of different ways. So is it that you're using humor like internally to do team building and, you know, in your meetings? Is it that you're bringing more humor into the work that you're making for clients? Like talk about how you apply it both internally and in, in the in the work that you do. Sure. Yes. And all that and all of the above. So we do both stand up and improvisational. So stand up is, is really intended for our people to feel more comfortable in terms of their presentation skills. Um, it also enhances their listening skills, their ability to read an audience like me when I perform, how to deal with silence, um, how to deal with objections. So the things comedians learn, business executives can apply to workplace challenges. And improvisational training is very much team building. And it forces you to listen and listen adroitly to the person who's speaking to you and storytell. So we train our people to um, engage in any number of improv sessions that open their minds. And with clients, we use it to break down silos. And we're working with a major automobile manufacturer to do a full day of improv sessions 
so that the leadership can open their minds and then put the pen to paper, if you will, to create Mm -hmm. their strategic plan for 2023, because there's quite a bit of friction right now. No one really agrees with each other. So the the outcome of improv is to get everyone to agree. Every idea is a good idea. Let's build on that idea. So it opens it opens a lot of minds. It changes a lot of either um, misunderstandings or ill will or lack of uh, willingness to cooperate. And it really changes the dynamic within an organization. And that's both from an internal and external storytelling standpoint. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned like the uncertainty that exists today and the polarization. Like, how can you use humor as a tool to, you know, kind of move past those things and, and get to just like really great work and ideas? Yeah. Well, well, the first thing is to um, a every organization is different and every culture is different. So one thing I do want to get across is that this is not right for every every organization. There are any number of um, Wall Street firms that are still very autocratic, top down. And we actually spoke to one chief communications officer who, after listening to what we do, said, Steve, we don't laugh at my organization. We don't even smile. If I were to suggest this to our CEO, I would be fired. So it, it has to start from the top. So the, the, the C-suite and the CEO, uh, she or he has to be already open to being authentic and vulnerable and empathetic and looking for new ways to engage um, across the organization and make everyone feel as if their voice is being heard. So um, it, it's it's much less about Roe v. Wade or, you know, mass shooting or whatever, and more about, you know, this is our purpose. This is who we are. This is why we exist. This is why we come to work. We have some fundamental business challenges. How can we apply um, improvisation and stand-up comedy to open our minds and double down on our purpose and make our storytelling more authentic and more compelling. Mm, for sure. So I think humor can be a little bit of a scary proposition for some people, especially in the workplace. There's a lot of um, in, in this world where there's cancel culture and there's like such a broad opportunity to get things wrong. Right. And have things land the wrong way. Like how do you apply humor while also kind of knowing how like the the context that you're applying it in? Yeah, it's a great question. So we conduct um, serious due diligence, whether the chief human resource officer, the chief marketing officer, or the chief communications officer retains us to do stand-up or improv to understand what are the guardrails, what's acceptable, what words, phrases, et cetera, are unacceptable. We also ask about the individuals who will be in the training session so that we have their bios, we know what their likes, dislikes are, et cetera. And then we also just beforehand just advise everyone to, um, when in doubt, leave it out and be very mindful of the sensitivities of your colleagues. So we've yet to have a minefield inadvertently be stepped on in our, our conversations because we are so sensitive to the words and the phrases and even the tonality of whether it's an individual doing five minutes of stand-up. And the stand-up is not about joke telling. It's about storytelling, observational or anecdotal. So things that make them upset, situations in which they've been the underdog. And invariably, because everyone has to perform, they all pull for each other. So they they all, whether or not the individual is necessarily laugh out loud funny, 
in his or her storytelling, the entire group supports them because they know they'll be going up next. So it's a really fascinating dynamic. At the beginning of our sessions, the group are typically uh, like deer in the headlights. And at the end of the session, they come up to us and they say, we must do this in our London office. We must do this in a different division. This is unbelievable. Can you do this? My direct reports. So um, we're very, very careful about the guardrails and we're very, very careful about the cancel culture world in which we live. Hmm. So for marketers and human resource executives in particular, um, I imagine communications executives as well. Like in what ways can you apply humor to those specific jobs to be more effective communicators? I think it's, um, you know, the the average attention span is six seconds. So in, in stand up comedy, what we um, train um, um, the participants is to get to the point and and come up with a very unexpected ending. So the, the typical, you know, stand up comedy routine is A, B and then an unexpected twist. So one of the major problems with internal communications is that nobody is reading the internal emails. Nobody is, is tuning in to the CEO's video. So how do we get how do we get short, succinct and compelling messaging? It can be very serious, but we, we look for the unexpected whether it's a subject line or whether it's the first sentence or first paragraph. And that, that the same holds true for external storytelling. And it could be a very serious story in which we're trying to get a Wall Street Journal reporter to, to read our pitch. So if we can get a subject line and an opening sentence that's only seven or eight words but has an unexpected two or three word ending, we help break through. So it's, it's really breaking through you know, the clutter the information overload, and the fact that people are just really weary of reading endless emails, white papers, uh, the media are inundated with email blast emails. So, so it's all about getting to the point and coming up with something unexpected. It doesn't have to be funny. And in many instances, we're working with insurance companies, financial services organizations, where what they're talking about is very serious. So we use the tenets of comedy and humor to write a much more compelling story on behalf of the client. So give me an example, like what what is a way that you can use the tenets of humor without actually being funny? Well, you could be talking about a um, personal uh, financial services company and put together a pitch letter that said uh, that starts with uh, we all know X and we all know Y, but boom, Z comes out of the blue. I'll give you an example. Uh, before he passed away a year or two ago, my dad, very robust, had glaucoma. So I said, you know, my 97-year-old dad was just diagnosed with glaucoma. And as you might expect, he's thrilled. He's absolutely thrilled because, because marijuana is legal for glaucoma <laughs> sufferers. So my dad is just getting high all the time, but there's one problem, supply has not caught up with demand, so my daughter has become my dad's connection. So so, so again, it's an unexpected twist. So, so when I start by saying my dad was just diagnosed with glaucoma, that's like an oh my, and then I hit them mm. with the surprise, but he's thrilled. And then I introduce another problem, supply hasn't caught up with demand, and then I come with another surprise, so my daughter has become my dad's connection. So that sort of unexpected storytelling is our end goal. 
that that did make me giggle. I'm not gonna lie. So, um, is it is that why humor is more effective at breaking through than other emotions? Like we see so much creative and so much communications that's you know moving that tugs on the heartstrings. There are things that's you know just visually like tries to grab you. Why is it that humor is more effective? Because it's one of the few things, along with eating chocolate and falling in love, that stimulates certain synapses uh, in the brain that that make an individual fall in love for a nanosecond. And there are studies out there, as, as I know you know, that if a brand can make someone smile or laugh, the target audience will abandon their longstanding loyalty to another brand and go to one that has made him or her laugh and brought some joy into their life. So so comedy and humor, and you're seeing this more and more. It, initially, it was pretty much limited to the insurance category, which is kind of interesting, you know, with Allstate, State Farm, et cetera. But now you're seeing it across the board, and you guys are, are covering it all the time. More and more brands are going to humor, and I'm seeing more and more chief marketing officers saying, you know, after the past two and a half years, we know our target audience needs to smile. They need to laugh. Mm -hmm. So we're rethinking the way in which we're going to market. So it's become a powerful way to break through and create new loyalty, regardless of what product, service, or organization you're trying to sell. Yeah. I mean, to that point, like, is it becoming oversaturated, the humor? And then does that create more of a risk that you're going to fall flat or not break through? Um, talk about like as more humor driven work comes out, like how you can maintain your sort of advantage there. Sure. It, it has to resonate um, with the target audience. So obviously this is this is, you know, marketing one on one. But if you don't put yourself in the target audience's shoes and understand what is their funny bone, what will make them laugh? What will they think is authentic and not forced? And when is enough enough? So you have to constantly be checking the pulse of the target audience. And if it is too much and it, if, if there is a saturation period, you dial it back. So it's so all the best brands are constantly staying in touch with their target audience, figuring out where do we connect? What's the best way to connect? If humor is the best way to connect, what type of humor resonates with them? What are they most likely to share with their friends, et cetera, et cetera? So it's, you know, in a world of uncertainty, in a world where things change on a dime, it's being in constant contact and putting yourself in the shoes of your target audience and understanding what is and is not funny to them. Hmm. So kind of turning the lens back internally and using humor as a leader, as like an organization builder, like how often do you bring these types of workshops to your teams? Like how is it just like one, a one-off, like three-hour improv session will we'll do the trick or is this something you have to continue to apply, you know, on a regular basis? All of the above. So, so we, um, you know, as new People join our organization. We go to the West Side Comedy Club in Manhattan and uh, myself and a professional comedian will train our, our newer employees. And then with our existing employees, there are so many levels of stand up, so many different types of stand up and improvisational comedy that we're constantly taking them through new exercises. Um, so it's always changing and it's done maybe every two or three months. And then every year, over the holidays, we ask our employees to select a charity. 
And we do a, a stand-up comedy fundraiser at the West Side Comedy Club. Last year, it was with, for the Children's Brain Tumor Foundation. And over the years, we've raised between five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000 in a night for different organizations. I am C, and I do very poorly. And one of the things that's really cool is my employees see me fail on a regular basis. And that enables them, even if they've just joined the organization, to feel like they can pretty much come up to me in the hallway and pretty much talk to me about anything. And it also informs um, our internal teams channels in terms of injecting humor into conversations. So it, we have guardrails, knock on wood, we have not had any sort of workplace harassment or um, any sort of issues about you know somebody using the wrong word or phrase or tonality because we know what our vernacular is. And we are, Every single day, there is a joke, an inside joke that is shared within, you know, our organization based upon somebody just calling back something that happened the day before. So it's really a cool thing to see happen. And I'm constantly sending around ideas for different clients. And I always end by saying, as always, feel free to ignore my ideas and hit delete. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm very open about saying that I am the least smartest guy in the room. And I like to surround myself with people who are far smarter than me. And if you have a better idea than me, good for you. So it's really cool for the right leader. I, I think it really humanizes that individual to a much greater extent. Yeah, for sure. I mean, stand up is all about like really putting yourself out there, right? And, you know, being able to handle it if you don't get a laugh. I don't. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you get some laughs. Um, do you find that like having humor as sort of like a differentiator for your agency is a selling point for talent and for clients? Absolutely. With, with talent in particular, especially, uh, with Gen Z's and college grads, um, we are inundated. They are absolutely fascinated, uh, with the fact that stand up and improvisational comedy is part of our DNA. And in new business presentations, we say, if we're your partner, we're going to be spending a lot of time together. So we think it's really important that you enjoy the company uh, of your partner. So, so if we're not on the same wavelengths and, and you don't enjoy, you know, an occasional laughter, even though we're all working really hard, we're probably not the right agency for you. Mm. It's actually a very good screen for us and for a prospective client. If they take themselves very seriously and they don't like to inject humor or have a little bit of a you know fun experience with Peppercom, they'll go with somebody else. We don't say we're the best, but we are different in terms of infusing comedy and humor. Uh, you know, again, with very serious subjects, we get the work done. We wouldn't have longstanding relationships with clients if we didn't, but they enjoy our company because of our humor-based culture. Mm. So thinking about humor, like which comedians inspire you? Like who do you really look up to when, when you think about applying humor to the workplace? Um, well, um, I don't know that I apply much, <laughs> much of the humor that um, most comedians <laughs> use. But, you know, I've always liked um, Amy Schumer, Louis mm -hmm. Black, certainly Seinfeld, Larry David. You know, I'm very much a, a Seinfeld, Larry David observational type of comedian who might, you know, just take a look at a pen and why is it that once you get a pen, it lasts for like one minute and, and the ink is gone 
or I'm always losing a pair of, of eyeglasses. Why is that? But so, so um, I like, you know, and I, I love the SNL people. Mm. I've always been a, um, you know, a big fan of uh, Dave Chappelle. And I'm always looking for someone new and someone different in terms of uh, comedy and humor. I'm, I'm not into the, the X-rated stuff. Um, at all. And um, I was told um, the more X-rated you are, the funnier your material has to be, mm. which is why I pretty much stay in the in the PG PG range when I perform. Well, it's kind of low hanging fruit, right? To, to try to make people laugh with uh, with X-rated stuff and also not good for the workplace. So <laughs> definitely not right for the workplace unless you represent, you know, Pornhub or something. But um <laughs> But but it, again, it's 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 what the um, the really cool thing, too, about performing stand up comedy is if, as you know, you're up there in front of a crowd, you're, you're really you're, you're naked. Um, you know, it's just you in front of people who have paid twenty five dollars to drink minimum and you feel obligated to make them laugh. So once you've done that, you know, making a major new business presentation to Google or Microsoft or whatever, it's like a walk in the park. Mm. It's so much easier. It's so much, and, and, and it really helps with, you know, public speaking and all of our people feel so much more comfortable interacting in Zoom meetings or in-person meetings after they performed on stage. It just, it's so intense when you do it on stage that when you go into a conference room or a Zoom meeting, it, it seems relatively easy. Yeah, I would imagine it really helps with a new business pitch or presentation. How do you um, I'm sure that, you know, some some people who work for you feel like identify as introverts. Like, how do you sort of incorporate them into this like stand up comedy improv world? Sure. The um, the fascinating thing, and we've been doing this for 12 or 13 years, is that often the introverts do best. And the extroverts mm. will often go on and on and bore the audience. <laughs> so and it happens with client organizations as well. And, and the other thing, Allison, we never force anyone to do it. If for whatever reason, you know, an individual said, I'll go through this and I'll sit, you know, and, and watch my peers. But I'm just not comfortable doing this. We never force it. But invariably, after they see two or three of their peers do it, and it lowers their tension and fear levels, they'll get up there and they'll absolutely kill it. They'll mm. do an amazing job. So um, it's rare that we have an introvert who isn't laugh out loud funny when he or she talks about things that make them angry or keep them up at night or whatever. It's it's a really interesting phenomenon. And I've been through you know countless team building exercises over the years. I've never seen anything like stand up and improv as a team building exercise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Obviously, you've applied a lot of these principles to your organization and your clients already. You've written this book. What's sort of next for you in this journey with humor? That's a great question. I think um, I, I would love to see more, more and more organizations who are focused on the future of work not have a um, visceral fear of the word humor or comedy, because it can be, as you said earlier, it can be a scary thought. So, so I think you know now. By the way, it's it's a required three credit course at the Graduate School of Business at Stanford University. So Stanford understands that the leaders of tomorrow will need to have the empathetic, vulnerable authenticity 
skills that come as a result of stand-up comedy. So I guess, you know, looking forward, I'd like to uh, continue to proselytize on behalf of the power of humor in, in organizations, uh, and especially as, as the, the older generation, my generation ages out and new ones come in, I think it'll become more and more acceptable and more and more mainstream. So I think, you know, we are well ahead of the curve, but it's becoming more and more um, acceptable, certainly in the advertising world. And we're seeing more and more of it in the employee engagement, uh, internal communications part of our world. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for uh, talking to me about humor and making me laugh a little bit. Definitely recommend all the listeners to check out your book and hopefully we can talk soon. Yeah. And if you're in, are you based in the city, Allison? I am. We are having our charitable fundraiser on December 7th. So I would love to invite you and your peers to come and watch Pepper Commerce perform. Amazing. You heard it here first. December 7th, stand-up comedy with Peppercom. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much, Steve. My pleasure, Allison. Allison.